At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American health care. I like to zero in on a lot of those topics I bring up during that introduction, specifically this episode about restoring trust in American health care. A lot of the headlines we see right now are talking about provider shortages, physician shortages, nurse shortages, and a lot of hospitals are being lambasted really for the inability to contain cost, and a lot of them point fingers at this problem. Well, we can't hire nurses, we don't have staffing, we can't keep wings of the hospitals open, we're only able to operate at X percent of capacity rather than full, which has all types of trickle-down problems for that hospital. But bottom line is, a lot of them are pointing to labor problems, labor shortage problems. Today's guest is going to walk us through exactly what's going on with the industry. Please welcome Ryan Lee, the co-founder and CEO at Hire Me Healthcare. Ryan, welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thank you, Chris. It's an honor to be here today. As I said during my introduction, there seems to be all types of labor problems in healthcare. In your company, Hire Me Healthcare, you're looking to alleviate that, at least from a nursing standpoint. But read us through really what's going on in the industry just as a whole, just that that really 30,000, or if you want to go up to the, some people say the 100,000 foot view, what is going on in healthcare where we are really seeing an inability of large systems to contain costs. Yeah, a lot of that comes from the labor budget. You know, operating costs, it comes out to 40% and on average. And there's it's a combination of things. You know, it's, it's the changing nature of the work environment in the post-COVID world. And it's also an actual talent shortage. And that's, that's as old as time. So, I mean, one of the best places to start in any situation is the beginning. There's literature out there dating describing nursing staffing shortages back to the time of Florence Nightingale and some of the studies looking at the problems that are, that are causing this shortage, they date back towards um, some of these studies come from the beginning of the 21st century. You know, one of the most um, telling ones for me was a study from 2001 talking about how there's a high turnover, a high fill rate, a high vacancy rate. And these are the problems we're seeing today, although we're seeing them, you know, it's it's a self-perpetuating cycle that's greatly exacerbated them to what they've become today. And, it, and it, COVID was an accelerant, but it was already a tinderbox before that. And what COVID really did was expose a lot of these things and also obviously contributed to burnout. You know, you, you and I have spoken offline about 
how both sides have been vilified in the process. There was the period where we went on with our healthcare heroes and giving pizza parties and all these things that were intended to reward our nurses. But as shocking as it is, the pizza party approach did not work to keeping them around. And we've witnessed a spike in turnover. Uh, That spike has fortunately reduced from almost 30% at the end of the, well, the labeled pandemic era. We're hearing about a COVID resurgence right now. So is it truly ever over? But uh, we have seen a reduction now to 20, 22% range nationwide. But a lot of this just comes, if I, if I could really summarize it in one sentence, it's a, it's a self-perpetuating vicious cycle here where there's talent that is hard to find, which leads to shortages. And you know, one of the reasons Hire Me Healthcare was founded, uh, my co-founder Trey was working at a hospital, major hospital system and seeing this firsthand where um, just through corporate policies alone, it took 30 to 45 days to fill a position. And nurses only have to give two weeks. So that automatically creates a shortage every single time a nurse leaves. And that doesn't even factor in the fill rate or, as they now have labeled it, the recruitment difficulty index for RNs, which is at the time of uh, Hire Me was found, it was around 90 days. Right now it's closer to 95. It's moved up into 120 in certain specialties like med surge. So you have these these shortages, which lead to very difficult to manage nurse to patient ratios for our clinicians, and that leads to major stresses on the well being and mental health of our nurses, which in turn leads to burnout. Which and burnout is one of the greatest leading causes of turnover in any profession, and bedside burnout, you know, is is kind of a next level of it that it's that you know we can't understand that not practicing at the bedside, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's this staffing shortage that causes burnout that leads to more turnover that then leads to a greater shortage. And it's a, it's a terrifying spiral we're witnessing. And it seems like it is relatively recently. And I know that there's always going to be a supply and demand equation here. When their demand for labor outstrips supply, then wages naturally rise. In my opinion, just looking over the last few years, it's like we got through covid and then all of a sudden that workforce just poof, just gone. Like, Where did everybody go? A large amount left the profession entirely. Um, nurses are also looking for alternative careers. We've seen a major surge in remote nurse jobs. You know, they can fill tasks such as, you know, just coming in to handle discharge and certain things that, that help with the efficiency of the process. But We've seen a lot leave the bedside to take on different things they can do. You know, we've seen nurses trying to race to school nursing jobs, just whatever it takes to get out of the hospitals. And, you know, this is largely attributed to the mental health strain that studies have shown to be significantly greater in a hospital setting. But, you know, we lost over 100,000 nurses last year. Just left the profession completely or just left the hospital setting? Yeah, left the profession completely. Certain certain hospitals have turned over. Uh, when you start combining specialties and turnover, you can start seeing turnover rates over a hundred percent, which you know is something I didn't understand until getting into this field. Because you know, how can you turn over more than a hundred percent? But when you're flipping over an entire unit and then some in the course of a year, you know that contributes to those annual turnover rates just just moving on and out. So, looking at you know trying to find root causes, right? Like what what is going on here? Is it is it that they're just unhappy with the work balance, work-life balance, they're unhappy with the schedule, they are unhappy with pay? 
give us some of those like top two or three reasons why a nurse, after going through school and being educated into nursing, will look at that and say, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go do something else. You know, it's it's all of those things for for starters. It's um, we've seen that just increasing salary by amounts that are I don't want to call them negligible, but they're they're not great amounts. But just increasing salary alone has not been enough to stop this diaspora we have going on. And it's about pay and compensation in part. And honestly, a lot of that came from watching what happened with the travel nurse bubble, where travel nurses come in and you know, you're sitting there, imagine just being 10 years in a clinic, 10 years in your, in your unit, putting in time, dealing with already strained nurse to patient ratios. And then you're sitting there training someone who doesn't know where the gloves are even. I mean, fantastic clinicians still need to know the protocols of each new unit and each new facility they work for. And you're training these people knowing they're making three times what you're making. And so that led to just disgruntled feelings a lot of it has to do with nurse to patient ratios, which you know, it advisably should be one to four. And we've seen them double, sometimes four times that. And trying to take care of that many patients, you know, most, most nurses that, I've, that I speak with, when you ask what their main reason for being in nursing is, it is to care for people. And when the ability to care for people to the extent that is necessary to ensure proper outcomes, to ensure patient satisfaction, when, when that's stripped away from a caregiver, you know, that leads to additional strain. And it's just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't take care of people the way that I'm supposed to. So are they, are they pointing, you know, I, I, I'm always slow to assess blame in a lot of situations. And I think a lot of learning opportunities can come out of just taking a breath, not having some knee-jerk reaction to this. But I mean, to me, this this feels like a poor management, a, a result of poor management decisions, lack of leadership in many hospitals. I, they're, they're abusing their people and driving them out of business. Am I missing something? You know, it comes down to the cost-saving component that you mentioned earlier, and hospitals are strained at a budget, and when they see how big of a chunk labor takes, you know, they they just immediately can look at this in a vacuum. And, and you know, not every hospital is doing this, and a lot are doing, you know, above and beyond. And it's not just to blame the management side, you know, it's, it's there's just a broken trust in the system. Um, you know, there's stories of Nurses taking sign-on bonuses, looking at the time necessary to, for that bonus to uh, to manifest, and then leaving right afterwards to go chase another sign-on bonus. You know, it's it's two sides feeling betrayed by the other, and there's a lot of uh, yeah, just a lot of unsettled feelings in there. And you know, it's it's hard to save on costs when. So much was spent on travel. So much was spent on on PPE and other emergency measures taken during COVID, and then trying to recover from that while being understaffed and, like you mentioned, you know, having to shut down wings of hospitals and certain other things that are, you know, shutting down sources of revenue. And I wish it was we could easily just point and say this is poorly mismanaged. This is how it should be managed, and then we could make the problem go away. But there's there's so much nuance in it that it's it's still largely indeterminable what every aspect that needs to be changed is. So for your work at Hire Me Healthcare, which you know, I love how you describe it, a matchmaking you know, healthcare organization, and you match the, the organizations and the talent, 
and that's where your system really, really, really thrives. I mean, what do you see when you when somebody says, you know, you get a great candidate and they're like, oh, I definitely don't want to go work for that hospital. And yes, I want to go work for this one over here. Are there any lessons to be drawn from that that can make these organizations more attractive to the applicants and the people that you interact with? You know, the best the best place to get these answers, and this is what I could encourage all healthcare employers to consider is speaking more to the nurses, you know, and a lot of not picking on hospitals here. It's just where the bulk of the bulk of the exodus is coming from and where a bulk of, you know, we're watching hospitals shut down, larger hospitals that can survive closing wings. Talking to the nurses and the CNO can often be a great spokesperson, but it's really hard for the nurses as a collective unit to get their messages of and their needs to the people that can actually do something about it. And we, as um, I mean, sitting in here in the middle between these two, having a marketplace with nurses on one side and employers on the other, we like to try to be a credible voice between the two and say, you know, this don't kill the messenger. This is what our nurses are telling us. This is where, you know, we're finding a competing hospital in a given city to see more demand for X reason or Y reason. Um, you know, it's, the nurses know what they're upset about, and there there are a lot of great uh, influencers and other prominent nurse voices out there. You can find them on LinkedIn, various channels of social media that are putting these problems in the in the forefront of everything they they post and they say, and they're telling us what what they want to see differently done, how they want to be treated, that they want their well being to be factored into employment considerations, but. You know, they're they are far and away the best place to go to find this information, and um, I think employers could certainly benefit from lending more of an ear. How does hire me? You know, when, you, when a nurse comes up to them and says, "Yeah, I'm going to create a profile on here." What's that mat- mat- matchmaking process? Whew. <laughs> it's not even that hard to say. I don't know why I can't get it out of here. What does that matchmaking process look like? Because you know, I'm fascinated from this, and in my mind, I'm. Like, oh, okay, well, everybody runs through recruiting costs. That, that is something that, you know, we hear a lot of hospitals are like, oh, I have to invest so much money in recruiting doctors and, and, and nurses, and I never get my return back. And my rebuttal is that, well, every business out there has recruiting costs. What makes this so much different where you're able to connect the two sides to appease both parties? It's looking at the human behind both sides, the person behind the resume and the person or people or unit behind the job description and trying to find a way to bring that to the forefront. And that's what we empower our technology to do. We look for qualitative aspects as well. You know, our our matching algorithm was designed with nurse jobs and nurses in mind to match based on certain traits on the level of necessity of certain components of a job description and it ranks candidates for the employer side. And then we give the employer a certain part in there to really give an opportunity to sell themselves on, on the work environment and pitch to the nurse. And, you know, we encourage not to use the cliches we see on every job description. Don't say coming to work here is like joining a family. No, it's not. It's, you know, by the time you spend years on a, uh, on a unit, that unit becomes your family. But you know, going to work for a major entity is not going to feel like the warm embrace of a small nuclear family right off the bat. And so we really give a chance there for employers to say, you know, what is it about X, Y, or Z hospital? What is it about this clinic, about this this practice that should entice a nurse? And, and 
really to filter in, in a way, you know, matchmaking also implies the, the, the inverse, the negative side of matchmaking. There's saying there's nurses that want to see someone say, this is where you can come hustle. This is where it's going to be, you know, an intense floor where people thrive in high energy environments. And that's going to turn some nurses off, but it's also going to have some others say, you know what, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I've been working in a, I'm the only nurse in an independent practice for the last 10 years and I'm, I'm getting bored, you know? And then on the contrary of that, you have the opposite where you can say, you know, this is a more laid back environment and certain other components that just appeal to the person on each side. And that's, uh, that's where hire me sits. And that's what our technology is, is tailored. And we continue to develop our roadmap has a lot of beautiful components on it in the near future that continue to, to focus on this, the humanizing of the process. We're going to take a quick break here from our fantastic sponsor, Freedom Doc, before we come back with the second part of our show with Ryan Lee. Physician burnout is a killer. It's driving our best and brightest out of medicine. The only solution to burnout is to be your own boss. Easiest way to be your own boss is to join the Freedom Doc Physician Network. Freedom Doc is a unified consumer brand, and we will fully finance your practice so you can enjoy a healthier lifestyle Take better care of patients and spend more time with your family. You focus on patients, Freedom Doc focuses on your practice. So if you're ready to be your own boss, visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts, Freedom Doc Accessible Concierge Healthcare. We are back with Ryan Lee, the co-founder and CEO of Hire Me Healthcare. Ryan, we spent a lot of time trying to address you know, really what the nursing shortage root causes are, where did everybody go? And we see it a lot. I mean, we deal a lot with physicians and physicians are being driven out of healthcare completely. People are leaving the profession entirely. They very much point the finger at the administration, insurance, you know, bureaucracies, overhead, all that kind of stuff. They're like, I can't even be a doctor anymore. Do you see a lot of that in nursing or is there something else, you know, that we didn't talk about earlier that is pulling on the time and pulling on attention from nurses where they're saying, you know what? I can't, I can't go into work anymore because I have obligations elsewhere. Yeah, you know, you hear it from both. I was on a podcast last week and talking about operational inefficiencies in healthcare, and I interviewed uh, Doc right beforehand, and I said, if there's one thing you can speak to about the operational inefficiencies, what would you say? And they said, too much administrative red tape by people who have never worked at the bedside. And you hear a lot of that from the nursing side, too. You know, it's it's finger-pointing and... That's what we, we talk about, that trust needs to be reestablished in the system because both sides point the finger at the other. You know, nurses are abandoning their ship, that administration is abandoning their nurses, is, is you know, treating us like cogs in a system or dollar figures on a bottom line. And, you know, there's enough truth to this and across the nation that it's really easy to say that that's just what the problem is. And the solution here is is not nurses stick around no matter how awful it is because you can't ask that of people. The nurses are, are human beings and very, very passionate human beings. You know, all a large portion of them are two on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with, with that test. You know, it's people that are devoted to helping other people. You know, it's 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 hard to it's really hard to blame them for wanting to leave the profession. I can't say I wouldn't myself. You know, I if I even had the tenacity to get into it in the first place. But yeah, you know, administration, it's, it's easy to say everything is their fault. But I mean, there are things out of their control that contribute to this. You know, we didn't, one of the root causes we didn't get to in the first half is the education pipeline. 
that there's not enough talent teaching at schools. There's not enough faculty for the number of qualified applicants. Despite all the press around how difficult it is to be a nurse and how all the nurses are wanting to flee, I mean, one study recently said up to 53% are considering leaving in the next year. First of all, goodbye healthcare system if that happens. Um, so we've, you know, should probably address this and frankly, quite quickly. There's a lot of alarming numbers when it relates to people to take care of us. I, I totally agree there. An interesting, um, you know, nugget I learned coming right out of COVID was that so many nurses left to take care of families. And I thought that was just really, really interesting. I'm like, wow, that's that's amazing because we saw a collapse of the childcare industry, which then had direct consequences into the collapse of the nursing labor industry. And I'm like, wow, there's so many just different little things that could go, that have an impact on, you know, different, I guess, supply chains of, of talent. And, you know, I'm curious if you're seeing any nurses on the ones who you're all able to match make and, and get them back into there, were they taking time off? Do you see, do you run into anything like that where they just needed to take a pause or focus on different areas and then say, I'm excited to get back into taking care of people again? We have seen some take time off and come back. We've seen a lot go into travel. Um, and for the, you know, the original reasons for travel, not what COVID made it where it was almost necessity to make what you really should be making as a nurse. But it's not terribly uncommon that people left and then decided to come back. You know, you need that break. I burn out in this job and I just took a week and went to Austria and came back refreshed and ready to go. You know, sometimes that little pause is what can reignite your, your fire to be able to keep doing what you do, despite how difficult it can be at times. And yeah, we have seen a lot, you know, a lot of that movement into home health and certain other things outside of bedside care in a, in a facility. And you know, I mean, you think about that logic. If I'm going to get screamed at by a patient, I might as well get screamed at by one patient all the time that I come to grow a strong bond with than by, you know, this, the 12 that I'm charged with taking care of who feel like I'm neglecting them because I have 11 other patients. You know, it makes sense that, that a lot of that movement would happen. And we, we sure have seen it, Chris. Yeah, that that uh, is a is a very interesting aspect of it is really the workplace abuse, not from your bosses, but from the people that you're, you're starting to take care of. And, you know, I got, I got some, some very interesting theories as our listeners know about how healthcare should be paid for. And they're not, it's not really that, that murky. It's, you know, the people who need healthcare should be able to pay it, but they need to pay a fair, fair price for it rather than having just, Hey, I want whatever this little card in my wallet gets me. And so I think there's a big disconnect when people are either abusing their nurses or doctors, you, you hear it all the time. And, you know, if it's a mental thing where somebody's just not there, I mean, my heart goes out to them. But I think a lot of that results in that they don't know what who's paying the bills. And a lot of times they never even see the bills. They never see the payers. And so it becomes this weird little relationship where you walk in. And I think I should get, you know, a service fit for a king because my insurance is paying you all this stuff. And this is what it, and this is what I I think I get when in reality, it's just not the case and that's impossible to provide. So there's definitely a disconnect in consumers of healthcare, payers of healthcare, and then the people who actually provide the service. And I think you see that a lot when you hear those really sad stories of patients, you know, lashing out at their, their healthcare providers. Absolutely. Do you, may I ask with these, um, you know, the approaches you have, do you see value-based care playing along to the, the desired outcome you see there? Totally depends how you define value-based healthcare. Yeah, fair. I've heard a few different definitions. Right. And 
we can go like 1984 Orwellian level, like value-based healthcare has nothing to do with what those words together actually mean. And then we can go, you know, the opposite way where someone actually takes that with a grain of salt and says, this is the value that I am bringing you. And so it, it goes to more of a pricing strategy. I'm a big fan of value pricing strategies. So if that's what somebody in healthcare says, we're going to price based on value-based you know, policies, great. If it is a hospital saying that we're trying this new value-based healthcare, and that just means that I can't suffer a readmission to my hospital. So once I discharge a patient, I either need that patient to get healthy or I need that patient to die or else I get penalized. I have a big problem with that. Absolutely. You know, that's, um, well... Circling back, you know, uh, one of the things that nurse staffing is directly correlated with by numerous studies amongst the many, both patient outcomes and efficiency measures, is readmission rate. Proper staffing deals directly into length of stay, deals directly into readmission rates. It goes all the way to contribute towards the a decrease with appropriate nurse staffing or evidence-based staffing levels being met in uh, hospital-acquired infections and cardiac arrest and you know numerous in failure to rescues. All all this stuff is directly impacted. It's 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 causal. You know, there's enough science and data behind it to show. So you would think that that is something that healthcare organizations would would take notice of and say, you know, how can we impact massive part of our budget? Let's invest into what we already feel we're paying too much in, which is labor, and see what happens because. You know, I mean, hospital-acquired infections, that's nationwide, that's tens of billions of dollars. If, I've seen one that said it was over $100 billion a year. Wow. Lost to that. So. Wow. And Costly endeavors. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, there's all kinds of little buzzwords being, being thrown around right now, and it's just like, okay, guys. And a lot of it is just tied to maximizing revenue coming from third-party payers. And so I think that's where a lot of the finger-pointing needs to go. Because you take what you just talked about from a large budget line from a from a staffing standpoint, a labor standpoint, and I'd be curious to run those time motion studies and just say how much of this is spent on administration work that has nothing to do with patient care, but has a lot to do with revenue maximization right? in order for that hospital to try to claw back anything and everything that they possibly can, even if it is relevant for that patient's care. So it, it's this funny little like waterfall and that I always like to think about that when somebody walks in that door as a patient presents, like all these little things start to go. And what do you end up with? You usually end up with a patient who is disillusioned with their entire system. You end up with doctors who feel that they cannot make their best care decisions because they're restricted to some type of formulary or some type of codes that the hospital prefers over others. And you're stuck with nurses who have to be that intermediary to make sure that the doctor's orders are followed and to make sure that the patient has somewhat of a reasonably nice experience under their care. So I can I can totally see how that hospital environment has just gotten so colluded, you know, it's just so... Yeah murky, I guess, on what the priorities really are. I guess I guess that really comes down to it, Ryan, is just like, I don't know if I'm a nurse. I'm like, what are my priorities walking in there every single day? Is it to keep people alive? Is it to earn the hospital money? Is it to be happy? Like To survive you myself, go? yeah. <laughs> where, do you, where do you even go? And it's a super, it's an unenvious position to be in for anybody out there. Yeah, I mean, think about how much of a patient experience is nurse facing versus doctor facing as well. You know, that's, 
so much time they're having to be the bearer of certain news and they're having to, you know, a patient, all they see. And, and I do wonder, Chris, I wonder, you know, it kind of got me thinking of this, this, all this talk, you know, you, you mentioned kind of the expectations of a broken system, you know, when everyone from the news to, I mean, I've heard a lot of healthcare leaders and execs and hospital systems start out a, a speech or, or the like and say, the healthcare system, which by the way is broken, and go on like that. I mean, how many times when you we just hammer this into the head of who, who's patients? All of us. So we're all hearing this all the time. Then you go into a system, you're expecting it to be broken. Any one thing that goes wrong, you know, you're going to be potentially more on edge. And well, who you're going to scream at? Who's the most likely person you're going to interact with next? You're going to yell it and take it out on the nurse, who's probably just heard it from a patient. And one of their, you know, one of their, let's just stick with this one to 12 ratio that probably just heard it from one of their other 12 patients in the last hour. And yeah, they bear the brunt of a lot of that. But, you know, I do wonder how much the overall negative spin on the healthcare system that everyone's talking about is is impacting patients' thoughts going in. Probably a lot. And I would, I would be remiss if I'd encounter that the healthcare system in the U.S. is not broken. There is so much money being made. It's just who's making it is the biggest question. And we know, we do right? provide a phenomenal quality of care too. Uh, know, we have the best doctors. We have the best doctors, nurses in the world. That is, that is damn near undebatable. It's how we pay for it and all right. the things it's the money. It, it, it's, that's the biggest thing that people consider to be broken. So I'm always very careful, especially coming from a drug care you know, world that we have to separate healthcare from the way it is paid, the business Absolutely. side of it. And once we do that, then we realize that, holy cow, the federal government pretty much has a monopoly on how things are, are bought and paid for in the United States. Hmm, that could be a problem right there, that things are so consolidated right now. There is no free market in there to be able to fully buy and purchase services and to be able to switch. That's one of the hallmarks of driving costs down, driving access up. If I got a bad experience at my restaurant over here, I'm not going to eat there for a while. When we talk to hospitals and they quote prices as, you know, percent of Medicare, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The federal government is just establishing this arbitrary price. And then you're going to tie it to that, even though I'm in Indianapolis and they're in Washington, D.C. And I kind of joke, it's like, you know, imagine starting a coffee shop and, you know, Ryan, I'm going to charge you 115% of what Starbucks charges. And you're like, what the hell is that? That doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) So there's a lot of it. There's a lot of, of, uh, of wood to chop there, uh, so to speak, but it's always the way things are paid. And that's, that becomes an administrative burden on people who are squarely focused on just trying to save people's lives. So Ryan, um, last question here for you. I'm going to make you the billboard czar of the United States. So you can go out there and you got the power to put any message you want to up on the billboards. Everybody's going to see them, but you only have a small message because people are driving by at 90 miles an hour. What do you put on those billboards? Billboards to encourage uh, human behavior or particularly pertaining to the topics of today. That's your answer. All right. Best way to take care of others is to take care of yourself first. Very altruistic. I like it. Ryan Lee, co-founder, CEO of Hire Me Healthcare. Ryan, thank you for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show 
on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.